I'm going to refer to a man named the teacher. He's the one who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. But before we do that, what do I always like to do before we start a sermon? Anybody know? Yeah, exactly. Pray so we can invite God to, to help us uh, to listen and hear what he wants us to hear. And then we can invite God to be present in, in our community and as we study the word to speak to us through his words in scripture. So let's do that together, okay? God, we invite you uh, to be with us today as we study your words in scripture. We are grateful that you have loved us so much that you decided to write all these words to us so that we could understand you more and we could know you and love you more and we could understand how much you love us. And so thank you so much for what you've done. We, we want to praise you today and part of how we praise you is learning about you. So thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in Ecclesiastes 12, and I'm going to enlist your help uh, for understanding this. But let me ask you a couple of questions um, just before we get started. Um, let me ask you this very simple question. Are you ever going to be old? Yeah. yeah? Pretty sure about that, of course. Yep, good. Um, what do you think it will be like for you to be old? You won't be able to run very fast. Yep. Yep. What's that? You'll walk slowly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, you don't have any much movement. You kind of just sit there. Okay, we got a theme here. Less mobility. Less mobility. What else? What, what's it, what, what, what will you be like when you're, when you're older? Oh, you have to go last when you play games, yeah, because you're youngest to oldest, that's right. And then what did you say? That was good. You'll be wiser. You'll be wiser. Okay, so there's some positive things that come from being older, right? <laughs> Excellent. So, yes, wisdom is a very good thing. What else? What will you be like when you're older? You'll take care of people. You'll take care of people. Oh, there we go. Yeah, isn't that true? That a lot of the older people around us are so good at taking care of others, um, and they really, they really go after that. Yeah, Jack. All right, yes. And by the time you're old, there will probably be those. And so, yeah, that will be different. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting thought. You'll be at the top of the family tree. So what, what does that feel like? The oldest? Yeah. It's kind of a, a respect and responsibility that comes with that that's, that's kind of exciting, huh? Yeah. Good. Um, how long do you think it's going to take for you to become older? <laughs> How's it going to feel? Is it going to go fast or slow? It's going to go very slow. It's going to go very slow. Okay, so let's try something. Let's ask some of the older people with us today how, fast they, how long they think it takes to become old. How long does it take to become old? Does it go fast or slow? Fast, right? So we have a little di- difference. When you're young, it feels like it goes very slow. And then exactly, it feels like it goes so fast. Yeah, because they're already old. There's a logic to that. Yes, good. 
Good. Well, the teacher in Ecclesiastes wants to talk to us uh, about um, life as we are, how we, we live when we're young, when we're children, and when we're youth. And so, um, listen to what he says here. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And, and we've talked about that a little bit. There's some things about when we get older that life becomes a little bit harder, right? And so, um, and now he's going to talk to us. Now, I want you to listen carefully because he's going to talk to us about what it's like to get old. And it's kind of a riddle that he's telling. And you, I want, I want to enlist your help to see if we can crack this riddle that he's talking about, about getting old. Uh, Verse 2 says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after rain. So kind of talking about a change in the seasons. And then he says this. He's going to use some some interesting language to describe what it's like to become old. And I want you to help me figure out what this is. He says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. Now he's, he's talking about a person's body when they get older. And so what would be the keepers of the house, do you think? Any ideas? What, when people get older, sometimes what happens? With their, they start to shake a little bit. And so the keepers of the house, they start to tremble. The keepers of the house are the hands. So help me crack the rest of this code here. Okay. Um, the, the keepers of the house start to tremble. It says, and the strong men are bent. The strong men are bent. Who do you think, if... If the keepers of the house are the hands, who do you think are the strong men? The back, yeah? The construction <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they are the strong men, but this, we're talking about one body here, and the keepers of the house would be the back, or there's, there's, it looks like there's maybe two of them. What were you going to say? So maybe it's the legs, right? Because your legs start to get bent and you start like your back starts to get bent. And the strong men, at one time the strongest part of your body was your legs and they start to get um, less strong as you get older. And the grinders, help me with this one, the grinders cease because they are few. What do you think the grinders are? The teeth, exactly. And, and, and sometimes, especially in the teacher's day, when people got older, you know, they didn't go to the dentist. They didn't have, you know, all the kind of uh, dental care that we have. And so they lost their teeth. So there are fewer, there are fewer teeth, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. If, if the eyes, exactly. So do you, you notice sometimes when we get older, our eyesight diminishes? And, and we have to get glasses, and it becomes harder, harder to see, so the, the eyes are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. What do you think that refers to? Mouth. When the sound of the grinding is low, um, sometimes when people lose their teeth, and then they have to eat soft food, right? And eat, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and the grinding is low, and one... What's that? Or jelly. Or jelly, yep. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. What, when does the bird get up? In, yeah, in morning. Early or late? Three in the morning, did you say? Yeah, early, really early, right? And do you notice that sometimes when we get older... Yeah, really early. Do you notice sometimes when we get older, 
then we tend to get up earlier and earlier. So maybe you've been to your grandma and grandpa's house, and they get up. When you get up, they're always up already. You notice that? Um, because when we get older, we sleep a little bit less, and so we get up with the bird. And, and then listen to this. All the daughters of song are brought low. Now, that's, that's a little bit of a hard one, so I'm going to help with that one. Sometimes when we get older, our voice start, begins to become a little bit more raspy than it was when we first started. Um, so the daughters... Um, and, and, and then listen to this. Um, the, the, this, is, this is good. Uh, uh, and they are afraid also of what is high. Afraid also of high. So if there's stairs, have you ever uh, maybe tried to help your grandma and grandpa uh, up the stairs? And, you know, you kind of have to walk next to them to make sure because it's difficult. And terrors in the way. Terrors in the way. So when you go out in the road, you know, if, if you're using a cane, you have to be extra careful, right? If you trip on a curb, it's going to be more painful than if you were to trip on the curb, right? Then you would just bounce right back up again. But when we get older, um, that changes, and we don't have that same kind of bounce. Um, and um, um, the almond tree blossoms, it says. Now, let me, let me, I don't know if you've seen an almond tree, but the almond tree blossoms. All the blossoms are a particular color. What color do you think they are? Yeah, Jack? Okay. Now, there's probably different ones. So, no, there might be, there might be yellow, too. In, in this particular ones, they're all white when they blossom. So if we're talking about a person's body when they go, get older, which part turns white? The hair. Yeah, the hair. So the, the, that's kind of like the almond tree blossoming when somebody gets older. And then it says the grasshopper drags itself along. Um, grasshoppers like to jump, right? No, they can't jump anymore. Right. So the grasshopper who used to jump with this great energy, I mean, wait, this is how you know when you're a child. When you get happy, you jump, right? Um, and you just can't help it. And when you're older, what happens is you feel like jumping, but then you don't jump. Nothing happens when you feel that way. Um, so there's a difference um, for when you're younger and when you're older. And desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And that word there for desire talks about a particular um, berry. Uh, it's, it, it, it's called um, uh, a particular berry that has to do with your appetite, and so you lose less appetite uh, sometimes as you get older. Uh, and, and the mourners go above the street. Now he's, so he's talking about what happens. The teacher's telling us in this very poetic, interesting way about what happens to the body when we get older. And he's saying, before that happens, make sure that you remember your creator. When you're still young, don't wait until you're older to remember your, your creator. And then he's going to talk about actually what happens after that is that a person dies. And, and this is a hard subject for us to talk about. But because of God, we can talk about the subject of death with confidence because we can know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, when we die, we can be in the presence of God, uh, welcomed into his presence. And so actually death becomes a much less fearful thing for somebody who loves Jesus than it would be if we didn't have Jesus in our lives because Jesus makes it possible for us to face death even. So verse 6 says, Before the silver cord is snapped, that's referring to to just the breaking of life, and the silver cord, life is precious. Life is precious. Or the golden bowl is broken, the bowl would be used for oil, and uh, death is like when when the bowl falls on the ground and it breaks and the oil spills out. That's kind of like... 
That's kind of like what death is. Uh, but we don't have to fear it in the same way because of Jesus. And then there's a few more. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And then listen to this, and we're almost done with this, this part. And the dust returns to earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. So God gives us this precious life, this gift, and then at the end of our lives, he takes it back to himself. And, and so it's, it, in, in the very end, it says, vanity of vanities, or another way to say that is mist. Have you ever been on a cold day and you breathe and your breath comes out and you see it for a second and then it disappears? Have you seen that? He's saying that life is sort of like that. Vanity of vanities or mist of mist, says the preacher, all is vanity or mist. This life that you're given, which seems so long right now, is actually very short when you compare it to all of eternity. And so he's asking us, the teacher's saying, so make sure you remember how precious it is and make sure that you remember your creator because age comes fast. So remember your creator, the one who gave you life. How do we, let me ask you this, how do we remember our creator? How do we remember our creator? What's that? Yes, because he made us. Uh huh. And what are some ways that you can help yourself to remember your creator, God, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, reading your Bible. Good. What are some other ways that we can, we can help each other remember God from day-to-day when you're on the playground or when you're at school or when you're at home? Okay, you, you, definitely the Jesus is going to help me part. Yes, absolutely. It's a great way um, to face crises and crises and things that happen um, that surprise us. Um, so to remember your Creator is to think about Him more. Have you ever had a, something, a time when you you were looking for something and then you realized it was right there in your pocket? Yeah. Or you, or you, I, I saw somebody the other day say, "Where's my cell phone? Where's my cell phone?" And then their cell phone was in their hand. <laughs> yeah, your mom and dad do that, right? Because they're getting older and forgetful, and so then uh, they do that, right? Uh, and, and, and that's like how it is with God. We can have, God can be right with us, and we forget where he is. But he's with us all the time. And so remembering your creator is remembering that God is with you. And so when you're on the playground at school and somebody does something difficult, you can say, God, how do you want me to respond to this difficult person? And you can pray right there. And when you're at home and you're struggling with your homework, you can say to God, God, I don't want to do this homework. Can you please help me? Because he's right there. And so often we forget that he's there. And, and what the teacher wants us to do is to remember that God is always with us and he stands ready to help us, to help us when we need help. And so I want to challenge you this week um, because one of the ways that we understand God more is by reading our Bible, like you said, and prayer. And so I'm going to invite you this week to read your Bible or to have somebody read the Bible to you every day this week and to pray every day this week so that you can remember your Creator this week. And when you encounter difficulties and struggles, I'm going to invite you to pray, God, help me in this particular situation or circumstance. And then next week, here's what I'd like you to do. Come up to me next week and tell me how it went, okay? So I want to hear next week when you come back how it went. Sound good? 
So what's our lesson? Remember your... Remember your creator? Yes, remember your creator. And life is a... It's an important thing. It's a gift. It's precious, exactly. And so live with that in mind. All right, let's thank... Let's, should we thank them for helping us with this, this sermon? I think it's really great. All right, you can go back to your seats with your parents. take a shortcut here. So our text uh, in that part of it really uh, speaks to the children, I think, well. But then there's another part that speaks to those of us who are maybe a little bit older for the youth among us. So I'm thinking of our high school students and our college students in particular. And I'm thinking about maybe our junior high students uh, kind of in the middle of that transition period there. And that's in verses 7 through 10. And so if you would look at those verses with me. Um, we'll explore what they have to say for our, our college and, and high school and, and junior high students. Verse 7 says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. And essentially, uh, it's just an acknowledgement of the goodness of life and the world that God has created. Um, later on, as we already read, though, actually, light becomes darkened um, towards the end. And so, um, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity, is a mist. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring you in to judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity." So chapter 11, verses 7 through 10, they have a word for us, for those of us who are in that youth stage, and a couple of things to say about that. First of all, uh, the teacher says, don't postpone, don't postpone excuse me, the joy of life. I remember uh, being younger and thinking, um, you know, if I could just get my driver's license, then everything would be great, right? And then I got my driver's license, and if I could just go to college, then, then that'll be great, and I'm just waiting for the next thing. And then if I can just graduate from college, and, and if I can just do the next thing. And we go through life always waiting on the next stage and never enjoying where we are. And he's, the teacher is reminding us to, to avoid that pitfall, to enjoy where you are right now. And he also says, don't seek joy, though, in the wrong places. So pursue what you love and what's good, but don't seek joy in the wrong places. Don't seek joy in the selfish things, in the sinful things. Be careful, because there is judgment for those. Now, in Christ, we know there's always forgiveness, but the, the, the teacher is, is reminding us of God's holiness and that we're to seek joy in the right kinds of places, not in the selfish things. And I love Drew's testimony um, this morning. Um, and, and how he shared about seeking for that in, in, in certain places. And then uh, after he really came to Christ, he began to seek his joy in serving the Lord. And there was just a beautiful, uh, he didn't get to share all the things, I think, that, that when it happened there. But leading this Christian club at his high school and everything uh, was just such a wonderful thing. I think sometimes we're afraid that if we start to really pursue God in our youth, that it'll be, it'll be boring, right? We'll miss out on the fun things. That was kind of what I thought when I was younger. And um, the, the, the can't, nothing's further from the truth. The most exciting thing, the most adventurous life is to be pursuing God with all that we have in our youth and to be giving that to him as well. 
So he says, don't, don't postpone joy. Don't seek joy in the wrong places. And then kind of saying the same thing, but I wanted to use all the, the kind of phrases that come in there. Do enjoy life. In fact, the way you, you could read this, it's almost like in, in verse 9, you're going to be judged if you don't enjoy life. Now, again, there's always forgiveness in Christ, right? But it's just to, to underscore how strong the statement is that you have to enjoy life. To, it's a sin not to be grateful for what God has given and to relish it and enjoy it and live into it and to be thankful for the gift of life that God has given. So do enjoy life, he says, and do banish anxiety. Verse 10, remove vexation. And that word can be translated in many different ways. Anger, it can refer to anger in some cases. It can refer to irritation, uh, taking offense at what others do, or just general frustration. Don't waste your life being vexed about things that don't really matter, that aren't that significant, he says. Don't waste your youth on that, because your youth, he says, is a mist. It'll disappear just like that. It'll be over and you don't want to have wasted it on those. It, goes, it does go so fast. And I'm in that, you know, that middle phase, and, and, and it seems like time continues to speed up now. And I look back, and I think uh, at how quickly it goes. I was walking onto the high school campus the other day, and I had this strange sensation, like, I should still be going to school here. That's what I feel like. You know? uh, and I realized I'm going here to meet my son, who's about to graduate from this. How did that happen? You know, where did the time go? It just speeds up and speeds up. And so um, if, if I had a do-over, I think I would relish the moments more and slow down and enjoy them and worry less. I always felt, I don't know if you've taken the new uh, Airbart to get to the airport, and there's a stop that's not in use yet, but the train has to stop there. And so it's an inconvenience for no reason. And, I, and, and when I go through there, you know, we just have to stop and we sit and look at each other awkwardly, uh, everybody on the train, as we wait for the train to take off. Um, and and I, so often I thought of, of, of many of the stages of my life were like that, an inconvenience uh, for no reason uh, on my way to something else. And if I had a do-over, I would say I would want to slow down and relish those moments and be thankful in them and to be gracious. And maybe you need that reminder today as well. I was on my way to work a couple of days ago and my neighbor was ahead of me and he was just far enough that I wasn't going to call out to him, but he was walking to the bus to go to work and his young son was with him. And as I walked behind them, I could see the two of them engaged in this wonderful conversation. And he kept looking down and explaining things. And the son was up here like this. And, and he's looking down. And I, and I just sort of in, enjoyed the moment for them because, because it was a moment that's fleeting uh, and, and yet so precious. And how often can we just rush by these moments in life and, and not enjoy the time that God has given us? And the teacher's reminding us that this is a gift from God. Life is a gift. So pause and enjoy it. Now, if you're in college or you're in high school, you've got so many forces pulling against you. The world's like an oyster that's just opening up and there's so much excitement. It's all like a whirlwind around you and you have opportunities and options to do a million things. You know, if you're a freshman, you just left home and now the world is this big place and it's so exciting. And, and how in the midst of that whirlwind do you, do you remember your creator is the question. And I think the most significant way, the most important thing, is to connect your life to the adventure that it is to walk with God and serve him in his redemptive plan. That's the most incredible thing that's going on in this world. And a lot of the things that are happening seem exciting in the moment, but in the end, they're much less so. And the only stuff that's going to be eternal is the stuff 
that's, that's lasting, that's, that's, that's connected to what God's doing to redeem this world. Um, God gives us a vision for how the world should be in this broken world. And then in the middle of that, um, when we can't bring the world to what it's supposed to be, he sends Jesus. Jesus comes. He's a king over everything. And yet, unlike any leader that we almost ever see, Jesus then steps down off of that throne and sacrifices himself for us to bring about atonement so that we can be reconciled to the Father. And, and, and it's just this amazing redemptive plan. And then God raises from the dead. And then, um, and, and then by faith, people attach themselves to Jesus Christ. And then they fan out into the world to bring about that redemption of all things that God initially started to bring about. And that's the adventure that we get to be a part of. And if you're, a, if you're you know, junior high, senior high, or even if you're in college, it is essential that you see yourself as a key player in that adventure, in that redemptive plan that God is working out in the world. That's what's going to make your Christian life gripping. That's what's going to call you into daily walk with the Lord if you see that you are a player in that adventure. And maybe some of you feel like, well, I'm not good enough. I, I can't do that. Well, God uses the weak things. That's what God uses. He uses broken people, imperfect people to accomplish his goals. Maybe you say, I'm not like other people that God uses. They have these gifts and those gifts. But the, the family of God is a body with, with a hand and a foot and an elbow and everybody's different and God made it that way. And so your gifts are unique and he wants to use you. Maybe you say, oh, I'm just going to go out after graduation and get a regular job so I'm not going to be of much use in God's kingdom. But no, God cares about every inch of this universe and what you do in your job he cares about and he wants to be in the middle of that to he wants to see you to see that as part of what he's called you to do in life and maybe you're just distracted and and, and this teacher has been helping us when we're distracted to get our minds on the eternal things the things that last what we do in cooperation with God to bring about the redemption of all things is lasting it'll go on for eternity much of the other things that we do will not and so um and so we need to know that and help us you know, to get distracted. Maybe you say, well, I just don't know enough about God to get involved in the game. I'm not a player because I don't know enough about God. And we need to be reminded that Paul, who was the most knowledgeable person of Christianity um, apart from Jesus, uh, had to admit there were things beyond his comprehension, mysteries that were greater than he could understand. We'll never know everything. So we just have to get going with the knowledge that we have. That's what it means to remember your creator in your youth, and that's what we're called to do. And I'm going to finish up here with one word uh, to the adults among us. So we've talked about the ch- talk to the children today. I've talked to the youth a little bit about remembering your creator. And let me just say a few words about the adults among us. Chapter 11, verse 1. We're, we're, going, we're going backwards through the text here. Um, chapter 11, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters. And, and that was a, a kind of a, a metaphor for for shipping, you know, if you send your grain out in many different directions, then you can sell it and you can make money that way. So cast your bread upon the waters, send it out, you know, take a bold risk um, wisely. For you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. Um, There's an unavoidable certainty to sort of um, chaotic events in the world. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you wait forever for the perfect climate, you won't ever start. Verse 5, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with a child, 
so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And so you adults are to be reminded this morning that we live in a very uncertain world, but we have a precious treasure in the gospel, uh, what God has given, and we're to cast it boldly into the world. We're to be wise, but to cast it forward to the next generations. And so as we talk about the children and we talk about the youth, we need to be reminded that it's our stewardship, it's our responsibility to cast what God has given to us, to not hoard it and and fearfully hunker down and keep what we have just for ourselves, Um, but but to be bold and wise in sending out so that we can see the gospel continue to go out and come back for um, God's glory. And I think about the leadership of this church um, being faithful in this. And I, I was celebrating as I read this, by the grace of God, we are casting, we are casting our bread on the waters. We are planting a church in San Francisco right now, which is generally at the younger generation. And so we are seeking to cast the bread upon the waters and for God to do something special in a new place. It's a bold measure to do, to send off your assistant pastor um, who's been serving and helping, to send them off and then to support them to start something new in one of the most difficult cities in the country. It's a bold move, but we believe it's a wise move. And so we're, we're, we're casting out our bread. This is a new season for children's ministry, and I love what Jackie had to say. I was just saying amen after so much of what she said about redeeming the family, about discipling our children. Um, I love what she's sending out, the table talk, and, and, and how significant that is. I've got to go really quickly here. Um, our, our new home groups that are starting, um, even just something like last week, having Aaron Roy come and preach from Richmond. You know, this is a way for, to cast our bread on the waters, to build relationships so that we can see the gospel. And let me just say this. If we're going to be successful at this, casting our bread, then we need all of you to engage fully in the process. And so just want to invite you to continue to worship, continue to pray. By the way, some of us are meeting on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m. to pray. It's been one of the best hours of the week for me. If you want to join us, we're at the office at 6.30 a.m. on ungodly hour, but God is there actually, um, 6.30 a.m. Um, so, so engage in worship, being here on time and, and ready to sing your heart out and thank God for his gift of life and his redemption and, and, and to pray together. And then part of our worship, too, is our giving. And you can see um, in, our, in our bulletin today that the, the giving is, is not where we had hoped or wanted it to be. And I don't know what to make of that. I'm sort of racking my brain on it. So I'm just going to invite you. Can we just pray about that together? Let's start with prayer. Let's start with prayer. And then if you have any feedback on that, if there's something I'm not seeing or we're not seeing, please uh, send me an email. Let's talk about it. Let's engage in this process together. So it's worship. It's serving. Everybody has something to offer here. It's being on mission. Your kids need to see you loving your friends and relatives and associates and neighbors who are far from God. They need to see that witnessed in their lives. And as you do that, they're going to be empowered to do that. We need to keep growing, being a part of home group and reading our Bibles, doing devotions with our kids. You know, use that table talk resource that, um, that uh, Jackie sends out. It's such a blessing. The more we engage, the further we can cast our bread on the waters. You know, if you take a ball and you throw it and you just sort of stand on two feet like this and you, you go like this, it doesn't go very far. But if you really lean into it and get back and really throw your weight into it, you can throw it really far. As a church, we want to cast 
with that kind of vision. Cast far. So engage, you adults. This is your time. Engage. Be a part of what the church is doing. Fully engage so that we can cast our bread on the waters and, and, and see what God will do. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do with the church in San Francisco, with the next generation in our community, and on and on and on with our college students. We're so blessed to have you with us, to be able to pour into your lives. We want to do that. So let's, let's lean back, let's lean deep, and let's cast. Lord, would you help us to cast for you far and wide with everything that you've given us. Bring us through many of the, the transformations that will take place as you work in our lives. And, and we pray for this next generation, that you would work mightily in them to raise them up and send them out to be a force for the gospel in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.